Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. And on this edition, we have a very special guest with us here on the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, He was here a few months ago talking to us about Saints football, and he's back again. He really doesn't need an introduction because he's the voice of the New Orleans Saints. I'm talking about Mr. Mike Haas. Mike, how you doing? I'm great, man. You picked a, you picked good timing, right? If you're going to do the State of the Saints podcast, I'd do it after that Raider game. Yeah. <laughs> and not the Arizona game, and not the Cincinnati game, but mm-hmm. after the Raider game. So perfect yeah. timing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, I mean, it, that was something that we all needed to see as Saints fans and, and supporters of this team, you know, pitching a shutout against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. So, I'm really excited about that. And we're also really excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I uh, know you're extremely busy. So thank you so much, Mike, for your time. No problem, man. Look forward to it. And, you know, there's I would love to go around the really the world now. And you see Saints fans in South Carolina and everywhere we go, there's always a big contingent of who that's. And so, you know, it's always good to talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but got to talk to you about, you know, New Orleans Saints. Uh, we're midway through the season. Uh, and as you look at the state of the NFC South, it seems like nobody wants to win uh, this division, which plays into the hands of the New Orleans Saints uh, pitching a shutout. And this could be possibly be the start of them actually, you know, going on a little bit of a run here. Uh, the next game is against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. But let's go back to that game versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Mike, how shocked were you that the Saints finally uh, we're able to put this, everything together. I mean, we know what this team was uh, looking at this team in the all season and being excited about what they were going to be able to bring to the table and finally put it all together. What are your thoughts about the team uh, after they pitched a shutout versus the Raiders? Well, offensively, to me, it wasn't like the big shock offensively because they had been moving the ball. Um, Alvin had been running well, had been receiving well. All of that had kind of been happening but they weren't scoring touchdowns. They weren't 
getting it in and they were turning the ball over. So, but other than the turnovers and the penalties and everything else, they were moving the ball. But who cares about that? I don't care about total yards. I care about points, yeah. right? So right. the offense didn't surprise me because the only change there was, man, Alvin was like, he was a man possessed, man. He was, <laughs> you know, you weren't keeping him out of the end zone. Right. Um, and so the offense was kind of there, but to me, the biggest surprise was the defense. And it, it was only a surprise in that we had not seen it that at that level, we'd seen parts of Sachs and Cam on the outside, but I thought about the interior defensive line, linebackers, secondary played phenomenal. Getting mm -hmm. Paulson and Debo back was instrumental. So that was the surprising part, just the level of change from Arizona, Minnesota, Cincinnati, Seattle, where they're just giving up huge chunks. I mean, they give up a lot of yards in those games, and then all of a sudden they give up basically nothing. You know, right. it was 183 yards, I think, total. 64 came on the you know, that last drive with Jared Stidman in. Yeah. So if you take those out, they had 119 total yards for the game. You know, it's just it was it was so unbelievable. We really we talked about it during the game. Mm -hmm. We kept going like, is this going to continue? This is <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. Well, that first series, their car was just like, you know, they were coming from everywhere. Yeah. And it just continued for the entire game. So that was very impressive. And they yeah. needed to happen again. Can't just be one and done. You know, we've seen it too many times. We thought after the Cincinnati game, I mean, the Seattle game, that, okay, they've, they've, they've turned the corner a little bit and mm -hmm. played well against Cincinnati, did a lot of things right, but didn't come up with a win. Need yeah. to put back-to-back -to -back together. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, it was something that we needed to see, and it's something that they needed to do. And, uh, you right. know, you've got to give a lot of credit, Mike, to – Alvin Kamara, you know, who spoke up after uh, that loss versus the Arizona Cardinals. And, uh, you know, he, he put, you know, he made himself accountable. Uh, he, he wanted other people, other players to hold themselves accountable. And it, it seemed like it worked, you know, because it was a different New Orleans Saints team, you know, and it, it seemed like a couple of weeks before it seemed like guys were kind of like worrying about making a mistake, but this game, it seemed like guys were playing free and, and it seemed like they were having fun out there. And that's something that the Saints need to be able to do uh, going forward. But uh, I want to uh, talk to you about Alvin Kamara. Um, he scored three touchdowns in this past game, but he went a couple of weeks without even scoring a touchdown. And it seems like the offense was moving, but it wasn't the, the classic vintage Alvin Kamara that we were uh, used to. Uh, they they decided to go with Andy Dalton as the starting quarterback. Uh, my question is to you, uh, do you think Andy Dalton, the decision to go with him, had a lot to do with what we've seen uh, this past Sunday versus the Raiders and how he can get the ball to Alvin Kamara? Well, Alvin hadn't scored a touchdown all season. So he had mm. done, played, you know, got yardage, got reception, did all that, but he had not scored. And I was like, man, I, I even looked it up. Like, has he been through a stretch where he's had, you know, seven games without a mm. touchdown? And he has, but it's, it's rare, right. receiving or rushing. So I do think it played a role. I think that the decision to go with Dalton was about who gives us the best chance to win. And Andy had proven, you know, he hadn't been, didn't get sacked in Arizona, only been sacked twice, had the turnovers, of course, the fumble in Minnesota, the, the picks in Arizona were being decimating. Mm -hmm. But I still feel that for whatever reason, he sees Alvin better. He's able to find Alvin uh, more as a receiver and as a runner. But I, the rest of it's on Alvin. Alvin was just, you know, you follow his lead, and he was determined 
this week and determined always, but just more so. So I do think it played a role just because I feel like, I mean, receivers and quarterbacks have, and I look at Alvin kind of as a receiver, really, you know, have connections that are stronger than others. And, right. and Jameis and Alvin had connected some, but not a lot. Even his targets were down considerably uh, at the start of 21 and at the start of 22. So I do think it played a role, but man, it's, you know, getting Alvin the ball in some space is, is, you know, let him do the rest. And he did. And it was a big difference. Yeah. I mean, that's we. If the Saints are going to get anywhere, they're going to have to get the ball into the hands of their best offensive weapon, which is Alvin Kamara. Especially like since you've been dealing with injuries uh, throughout the the NFL season with Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. I mean, he's such a dynamic player, and it, it seems like he and Andy Dalton are on the same page. It was a couple of passes. I mean, Andy Dalton uh, found them, and he turned those into points, and that's exactly uh, what you want. Uh, looking at the state of the NFC South, uh, looking at the Carolina Panthers, uh, Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, do you feel like the New Orleans Saints have a real legitimate, true chance to actually win this division? And if so, what are the, are the things they need to do in order to separate themselves from the pack? I think very much they have a, a chance to win the division. I'm not sure, you know, I think we saw this past week how painful it is to be a Carolina Panther fan. God oh. bless them all. Mm. I mean. I, it was, you know, we're all of us. I mean, everybody in New Orleans was rooting for Carolina. I'm like, yeah. let's go. Wow, it must be tough to be a Panther fan, baby. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they very much. I think the next three games will tell us a lot, really, because there are two of the three are home. Uh, two of the three are actually AFC. But the Saints just need to put a string together. You can't, right. you can't win one, lose two, win one, lose two. The, the NFC South and and you'll be that bad, I don't think. And again, yeah. there's three more games against them. The Saints, you know, and two of those three. Carolina and the Falcons will be here. The Saints play in Tampa. Right. So you, you 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 can't let Atlanta – you can't let Atlanta get too – you know, because uh, I feel like Atlanta is a pretty good team. Yeah. I mean, the, the Saints beat them in that first week, but it took a magical, miracle fourth quarter to do so. But, yeah, I think that they're very much in this division. But they got to string some wins together. They can't mm-hmm. just and – and they just do what you did last week. Now, you're not going to shut out everybody. Mm-hmm. But offensively, just – do what you do. Don't turn it over. They only had five penalties. They controlled the clock, which they've been doing. But when they control the clock, they punched it in. And then the defense plays half as good as that against Baltimore because Baltimore is – and Baltimore should be 8-0. I mean, they mm-hmm. really should. I mean, their three losses came after fourth quarter collapses. And so yeah. they're 5-3, and three, but they could easily, easily be, be 8-0. Uh, yeah. But read option – I mean, Lamar Jackson brings a lot to the table. The Saints have not fared well against that. But, right. you know, if you can, if you can stop it early, it, it'll change things. Because if you can stop that read option to force them to throw, that's their weakness. Yeah. So we'll, we'll say it's a big one. Yeah. But, I mean, it, if they're going to be able to stop and neutralize Lamar Jackson, it's going to have to start on the defensive line. And we've seen these guys come alive last week. Uh, we've seen Peyton Turner. He had two sacks. Uh, Davenport should have had a sack, but it was uh, negated by a holding call. Penalty, yep. <laughs> I mean, and you also had uh, Cam Jordan and uh, Kendavious Street with uh, half of a sack. So it, the front four seems like they're, they're, they're starting to come together. Um, what is your overall opinion of this de- defensive line? Do you feel like looking at these guys and what they did last week, can they build on that? Um, and how impressed were you looking at Peyton Turner finally uh, you know, show what he can, he's possible, well, show what he's capable of doing. It was great to see Peyton out there. He's already made his best four games this year. 
he missed a ton in 21. So that was his rookie year. So to see him come out, because we really haven't seen a lot of him. I mean, mm. we really haven't. We don't know. Right. I, mean, I mean, he had a sack in his first game at Green, with Green Bay, you know, in 21, and then, you know, pretty much injured. So yeah. it was great to see that. Don't really, yet, you know, we don't, again, it's almost like the same as offense. Can, he, can they string it together? To me, what the interior defensive line did last this past week was extraordinary because I didn't see it coming. Quite right. frankly, the interior defensive line in the Cincinnati game and pretty much the Arizona game were non-existent. They yeah. had no stats in the Cincinnati game and not a whole lot in the Arizona game. So to see uh, David Onyemata, who was actually sick last Friday, he, he went on the injury list on the Friday before the game. And I was like, you know, we had flu going around everywhere. But to see Onyemata, Contavia Street, and and those guys, Davenport and Peyton Turner, what, what, what happens is it just makes Cam – that much better. Well, they don't. All you got to worry about is Cam. You can you can neutralize Cam, but yeah. when you got to worry about the middle, and if you can get pressure on any quarterback with your front four, and which the Saints did from the very first series, if you can do that, man, it's the the the, the pendulum swings so far to your side. So they they've got to keep it up because we've watched two games prior to this Raider game, Cincinnati and Arizona, where they were not a factor, mm. and and believe me, the quarterbacks did what they wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, that, that defensive line was – they were hunting last week. And you know, a lot of the sacks that they had was due to coverage. And, right. you know, you have to look at Paulson Adebo and the rookie, uh, Elante Taylor, you know, who has been really impressive. I mean, just think about this, Mike. Like, you get your first start, and the first start against arguably the best wide receiver in football in DeAndre Hopkins. And they're like, oh, okay, Rook, now you got to go back ne- this week and go, <laughs> go up against Devontae Adams. But it seems like he doesn't flinch. It seems like he belongs in the moment. Watching him in real time, Mike, how impressed have you been with Elante Taylor? Very. You know, kind of like Chris Olave, but you don't – like they just – a little different. Certainly Olave is very quiet, just mm-hmm. goes about his business, you know, just doing everything. But mm-hmm. I felt like Elante, with the game with Arizona, you could just see that he was he was playing off, right? They were playing probably right. 10 yards off of, of – uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins could have caught 20 passes if he wanted to. Just mm-hmm. eight down and out. So just keep doing it. But that was, you know, Taylor wasn't going to let him, you know, we're not going to double move. We're not going to do some go routes. He's going to keep him in front of him. And I felt like he came out this week saying, I ain't doing that. You know, I think mm-hmm. probably Marshawn Lattimore got in his ear and and Paulson Adebo, who had the same situation as a rookie last year, is like, that, that's not how you play, man. You got to be, you got to get up. You got to okay. get in their face. You got to be, you know, Man on man, you've got to hit him at the line. And we saw that. We saw a lot of emotion out of him. Because, I mean, I was talking with Mickey Loomis about this on Tuesday night. And it was like, you know what? That's, how you, that's the only way you can play the position. Right. You can't play it like he played it against DeAndre Hopkins. You mm. can't just hope that you don't get beat deep. You're going to get beat. You're going to get beat. you got to have right. a short memory. But you got to get up there and get in his face. And right. I just feel like it, he took a, a big step this past week going, oh, all right, I can do this. Yeah, you know, because you're going to get beat. It's not right. like you're not going to get beat. But, I mean, I, I was very impressed with Alante. But getting Paulson back, you know, yeah. it just – it it changes everything when you got an Adebo over there and Alante as opposed to if Paulson's not there, man, you're – I mean, you're, you're really searching across the line uh, for cornerbacks. Yeah. And I, I doubt – we'll see, you know, tomorrow probably – if Lattimore starts to practice, but I, you know, I, well, those guys, Mike Thomas and Jarvis Landry and Marshawn Lattimore haven't practiced. So mm-hmm. 
forget talking about them playing. They haven't even practiced. Uh So until they get on the field and get some reps and maybe get some limited reps, it's not even worth talking about because they're not going to play. Yeah. I I do want to ask you this. Um, them being on the sidelines is, you know, kind of rare. Like we seen Michael Thomas on the sidelines. I'm gonna believe Lattimore was there. Do you think that's an indication that they're possibly closer uh, to getting back than we we think? I don't know. I mean, I to me, unless I can't be on the sideline, like if my injury prevents me from being like you, damn, you better be on the daggone sideline. <laughs> I mean, to me, I was like, you know, but in some cases, if it's if it's going to be detrimental to their injury then I'm, I'm completely but if not i you want their expertise especially marshawn you know dealing with you know we treat paulson debo like he's a six-year guy he's in his second year right uh and and alati and and i think that having them there yeah you, you know to, to to talk to them you know do this don't do this um, you know i don't know if it makes a difference as to whether they're going to practice tomorrow i don't know but i certainly want them on the sideline if it doesn't impact their injury yeah, Mike, I, I was saying the same thing here on the State of the Saints podcast when I was talking about Michael Thomas and I was talking about how how special he is as a player. And you have a lot of these young guys, you know, like a Rashid Shahid that's out there, like a Chris Olave. There's there's something that Michael Thomas could possibly see out there and be able to give them information that they probably don't even see. And it's going to mean a lot to them because of how special he is. And, and we know the importance of star players uh, bringing themselves down to that particular level to to not feel like you know they're above the team. We're like we're we're seeing uh, some of the issues that that's happening with the Denver Broncos when it comes to Russell Wilson. So actually having a guy that with that level of experience uh, on the sidelines rooting for the team, I I really feel like that that means a lot to those players, even though they may not you know admit it in real time. But I, I think they really that really counts to them, you know, as far as like this guy really truly. Uh, has my back but you know Michael Thomas uh, you know he's been dealing with these injuries for the last couple of years Um, you know uh, Dennis Allen said in a press conference that you know they'll be back he along with Jarvis Landry Uh, the Saints going on this stretch controlling their own destiny how important would it be for a guy like Michael Thomas to come back and also uh, a guy like Jarvis Landry well incredibly only because of their of their skill sets so the Saints and the, the two-week stretch with the loss at Cincinnati, with Cincinnati, and Arizona just struggled in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can use a Mike Thomas. I mean, look at the – he had three touchdowns in, in his first two games. They were just short back shoulder throws where he's just going to outman the guy right. and b- catch the pass. And when you don't have that in the red zone, your red zone becomes a lot more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Jarvis Landry, kind of the big play guy. You know, they've kind of – you know, gotten into columns a little bit. We see Shahid as speed. We see Olave as, you know, a deep out first down guy, go right. across the middle. He'll sit in, sit in the zone and do a little bit of everything. But when you – it's like anything else. When you got a Thomas and a Landry there, all of a sudden now Callaway's better and Traquan's better and Shahid's better and Olave's better because you got more opportunity because now they're looking at Mike Thomas and Jarvis Landry. We went through this look at, at 21. When, when when you don't have either any uh, Thomas or any of those guys, and all you got is a is a Callaway and, and a Hardy who had been banged up, right? It's, it's a different situation. So to get those two back, if if they do, I, don't, I have no idea. Hopefully, we'll we'll learn more soon. But you know, if you do get them back, but if, even if you don't, what's happened in their absences? Olave has grown to a level he never would have probably grown to 
had right. Thomas and Landry been there. I mean, yep. what's he got? What's he got? 37 catches, uh, two touchdowns. So when they, when they do come back, Olave's like, I know he's not a rookie anymore. It doesn't look like that to me. So he's yep. a much more progressed player because of their absence. So when they come back, man, it's going to be going to be great. Yeah. You know, I, I think about his skill set, like at the beginning of the season, a lot of Saints fans, they, they probably looked at him at Ohio State. They probably fell in love with that 40 time at the combine and probably thought that he was just going to be that guy to take the top off the defense. But when you look at him, I mean, he's so fundamentally sound. Like, it, it, you know, his route running ability is incredible. It's, it's, it's up, there, up there with a guy that's been in the league six and seven years. And, I mean, he's really rose to the occasion. What he's like uh, first among rookies in, in receptions and yards. So, I mean, you definitely want to keep that momentum going. And it's good uh, It's good that he's actually here and, uh, you know, he's learning and developing. He, he can turn into something extremely special if he keeps – on the path that he's going. Uh, but, you know, one thing I love, Mike, is when players change the narrative, the narrative about themselves. And one player that is really rising to the occasion is Cesar Ruiz. I mean, he has been in the doghouse uh, with a lot of Saints fans, but it seems like now the light has turned on. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cesar Ruiz and his development in his third year? Well, I think what a lot of you can put a lot of people into this category and I've talked to some coaches about it and he did struggle and mm-hmm. he did take some some beatings. I mean, there's and there's nothing but first rounders basically on the on the on, on the front line, except for McCoy. Right. Uh, and so it was tough. You know, he, he took some lumps, but he what he didn't have when and when he got here in 2021 and what he did have this year was off seasons. Mm-hmm. Real off seasons yeah, with point. you know mini camp and the OTAs and all that stuff because of COVID they didn't have it so they didn't really have an off season they were just he got to camp and it was like okay go get them <laughs> I think that that he benefited along with a lot of other guys in the twenty and twenty one season right. who didn't have any of that stuff they just got yeah. thrown to the wolves right. and this year it was normal go to camp you had your off season work you had your OTAs you had your mini camp your rookie camp. You know, and and I think that he has benefited from that, and and they've been relatively healthy. Now they lost Trevor, but Trevor was a rookie. You yep. know, I, I think that we were going to see a little James Hurst there anyway, and James Hurst has been you know outstanding. Mm-hmm. And Pete's been a little injured, but from McCoy over, they've been it's the same three all season. Yeah, Calvin Frockmore's done phenomenally, you know, filling in. So I think just kind of having the continuity there on that right side has helped. And I just think the off season has helped, but you're right. He's, you know, now he, he's pancaking people and, and, and pulling and, and leading on, you know, on for Taysom on, on QB power, stuff like that. And yeah. it's been great. Yeah. I mean, just that whole offensive line, you know, Cesar Ruiz to me has been the unsung hero, but last year, like you look at the offensive line, they really didn't play together that much. You know, you had a uh, Ram check missed a substantial amount of time. Uh, Cesar Ruiz was the only, uh, only play on the offensive line that played all, all the games. I mean, you had Eric McCoy that was out for a couple of weeks. So I think with the, you know, the combination of his development and also the camaraderie that they have and, and that chemistry that they can develop being there uh, together, I think it helps um, out tremendously. And it also uh, definitely uh, helps like when you have Ryan Ramchick to the right of you that could, uh, that could do some things. I mean, he did an incredible job going up against Max Crosby, who has six sacks right now. He's been pretty much dominant 
uh, out there in a, in a AFC West. Uh, but my, my final question for you is the game on Monday night. Uh, the Saints uh, taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning uh, the Baltimore Ravens could easily be 8-0. We know that uh, Lamar Jackson is a dynamic uh, player. I mean, he's a, he's a walking, talking cheat code. But what do the New Orleans Saints have to do in order to knock off the Baltimore Ravens and keep this momentum going? Just keep doing what they're doing defensively. It's going to be a different attack from Baltimore. I mean, Lamar Jackson averages 7.4 yards a run. He's already run it 75 times. So you've got, you've got to be cognizant of that first because if, if in the read option the quarterback chooses right and they get some big gains, I think defensively it's tough. It gets you in your head. And But if you play the defense, you know, you know, kind of stay back, figure it out, don't get beat, uh, keep them in front of you, and you make the right choice. I think conversely it gets gets in their head because if they are forced to throw the ball a ton, then that's not what Baltimore wants to do. Right. We saw what Baltimore did against Tampa in the second half. It was just run, 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 mm-hmm. um, and then really throw to, to Mark Andrews. Mark, We'll learn a lot from Baltimore's situation. Mark Andrews is a huge part of their offense. Yeah, uh, And so – defensively is what I really don't know what to expect from Baltimore because you pick up Roquan Smith and you got Queen, Patrick Queen there. Mm-hmm. That is like unbelievable to be able to get a guy in the trade deadline who's already the NFL's leading tackler. You picked up the NFL's leading tackler at midway point of the season. Wow. And that just makes them a very strong unit, which we, we're kind of used to with Baltimore. Their defenses yeah. have always kind of been – but they're not they're – not, really strong against the pass. Both teams score a lot. Mm-hmm. The, the, Ra- the Ravens are fifth in the NFL scoring. Saints are seventh, but both teams give up a lot too. The Saints are like yeah. 27th and Baltimore's like 20. So it should be, if you just look at that, it should be a shootout because both teams can score, but both teams allow scores. But man, that defense has to just play like it did last week. Just swarm into the ball. Yeah. Just go. Don't, don't, don't play to get beat. And offense, same thing. Don't beat yeah. yourself. When you yeah. when you win the turnover battle, you know, they did win the turnover battle in Cincinnati and lost, which is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But won the turnover battle and run the ball with Alvin. They what they were able to do to me, which was so impressive, was their first down in, in, in the first half and second half. Now, first down in the, in the first half, they had nine passes and six runs, 15 <laughs> first down actual plays. And wow. passes were 8.3 yards. And runs were 5.3. Yeah. So you had second down and two, second down and five. Man, your first downs last week against the Raiders were something I've never witnessed in, in a long time. And if you can do if you can do that kind of damage on first down, it's very very hard to to, to control an offense like the Saints when you've got second and three or second and four or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, the Baltimore Ravens are a special team. You know, they, I think they have a lot of weapons. I want to say Mark Andrews. I know he was dealing with injury. I mean, the the injury reports should be coming out soon. I don't know if he'll play or not, but they do have a rookie by the name of Isaiah Likely who has been lighting it up, and he's an incredibly talented uh, tight end. Uh, He actually – He's Coastal Carolina, guys. Yeah, he's Coastal Carolina. So kind of of familiar with uh, him. But, I mean, like you said, if the Saints can play as disciplined as they did last week and, uh, you know, fly to the football and play free, uh, they should make this game very interesting. They should be able to to uh, get that victory. Uh, but, Mike, thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And, you know, I do want to say this, you know, 
um, growing up, I'm originally from New Orleans. I can remember being four years old, sitting on my grandmother's floor and watching you do sports at WWL. And you, along with the late Frank Davis and Jim Henderson, you know, you all inspired me to take the path that I'm in right now doing broadcasting. So I, I do want to tell you, thank you for that. And I really do appreciate you being here on the podcast. No problem, man. Appreciate it. And, you know, those were great times at Channel 4. We had the luxury of working with such phenomenal people like Angela Hill and Jim and yeah. Garland. And I mean, believe me, you could, Karen Swenson go down the list forever and ever. Hoda Copy. So we just we were very blessed. And New Orleans embraced us and, you know, happy to, to, to hop on and, and, you know, talk to talk to people in the Carolinas and and, uh, you know, who that's are everywhere. So anytime. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. And before you go, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, Twitter is at Mike Hosscom. Just Mike Hosscom, C-O-M-M. Facebook is just uh, Mike Hoss or Hoss Communications is the best one. That's that's the, the the business page where most of my stuff goes. There's also a personal page at Mike Hoss. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the best on Instagram. I'm trying. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm getting there. Uh, so, but that Twitter is and Facebook right now, the easiest places. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mike. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing you, uh, you know, call the Saints games throughout the uh, remainder of the season, hopefully into the playoffs and into the season. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> do it, man. Yeah, we'll be, who's, who says that when you're three and five? But what the <laughs> There's still a chance, though. There's still That's a right, chance. Hey, heck yeah. You all, you know, your first goal on anybody's first at the training camp, you, right. you can't win the Super Bowl, win your division. That's always yeah. first. You can exactly. be a wild card, but you, your first goal is win your division. Win yep. your division. That's that's the most important thing right now. But, Mike, once yep. again, thank you so much uh, for being a part of the State of Saints podcast and look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks, TJ. All right. Take care.